This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to uh, another edition of Talking Devils. Uh, the number one independent podcast uh, out there on the internet. Um, as you can see, uh, there's just a magnificent duo today. Uh, myself, Dave Murphy, as host, and I'm joined by United legend, uh, former Manchester United and England international, Paul Parker. Paul, how was your weekend? Uh, my weekend wasn't too bad. I was just trying to think where I was. Well, I was definitely was at Fulham the weekend, so that took up a bit of my time. Going, getting there, watching the game, and then having to kind of then think about what, you know that ninety odd minutes I watched really, which it was it was it was tough. It was really tough, and bonus for a lot of the people, I should say the majority of people was so that they could walk away from the telly or turn the telly off because it it wasn't great viewing, and I was sitting there pitch level. Well, that's, a, that's what we're going to jump right into straight away, Manchester United versus Fulham. Uh, for anyone that's uh, watching live, uh, get your comments in, get your questions in for, for uh, myself and more importantly for Paul. Um, for anyone that's watching this back, please give us a like, give us a subscribe. Um, and yeah, any, any comments will be appreciated. So, Paul, Manchester United won, Fulham nil. Uh, as you said, uh, a pretty um, dire game uh, for, you know, 89, 90 minutes. Um, we can we can talk a little bit later on about uh, his team selection and in particular one player. But I just want to get straight into the game itself. You you know I seen from your social media post you were actually at the game. Um, Ten Hag made a few changes. Uh, he brought in Garnaccio. Uh, there's been some you know uh, there's there's, an, a, there's basically a back and forth with a lot of supporters where Garnaccio should be starting or he shouldn't be starting. I'm under the impression that he should uh, to give him more game time. So he can actually, you know, improve. Uh, but there was the argument that he maybe should be coming on at some point during the game rather than starting games. But I want to jump right into it. As I said, Manchester United won, Fulham nil. You were at the game. Um, what did you think? I just, it was just bland to be perfectly honest. I mean, I saw Fulham. Fulham were that little bit more excited, more productive when they got the ball and went forwards. Didn't really threaten the goal. Yes, Anana had made a few saves, but they definitely had that little bit more bounce about them. They played a little bit. They played a lot sharper. It wasn't as complicated as what United were trying to do. And sometimes you have to go to 
back to basics, really, and maybe that's what United should do, strip it down and start again. But there was definitely a little bit more about Fulham in that first half than what there was Manchester United. And it, and it was a worry when labouring on the ball still. And every time when United did did look good, it was when they moved the ball very, very quickly. They moved it quick and Fulham couldn't really deal with it. And I think any team that you, anybody who is successful in any level of football, because you've got players who move the ball quick, they don't, they don't labour. You know, you look at back four players, you've got the ball, you've got time on the ball, no more than three touches. Even if you just make a quick pass to get it back, you've 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 shifted people, you've moved them. That might allow the next person to make that pass through. Five, six touches on the ball, you're dragging everyone in, you're dragging them in. And just knocking a long ball out wide to space doesn't really it looks good, but it doesn't really do a lot. And that's what was happening really in that first half. It was ponderous, it wasn't, there was nothing there and it was dour, to be honest, really, Dave. And just by the, the general atmosphere, people sitting around me, I was in that old stand, the Stevenage stand, the Johnny Haynes stand now, the stand which I had to clean as a 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old, toilets and my bare hands, that ugly brown, whatever it is. Sorry, I'm getting a bit, it's getting to me. But anyway, I was in that stand and you're cramped. I mean, I'm moaning at five foot seven. I'm moaning because virtually everything, but there's people around me, they just looked in terrible shape. I mean, everyone said, all everyone wants to do when it would just stand up. And there wasn't any chat about the game. There wasn't many opportunities. There, there wasn't anything. And if I just jump forward 45 minutes and just say, when the game finished, the easiest thing to come out and say, which is, I think, disrespectful to, I think, anyone related to Manchester United and more importantly the fans and some fans would have said it where they would have kind of shrugged their shoulders and gone a win is a win which I think isn't good Dave I really don't think that's good if you're Manchester United if you really are where if you really believe in what the club's about and and you play for the club or you play for the club or you're watching Manchester United are better than that a win is important but a performance is there and thereabouts as well. It is about an performance for your next game. Now, how do how do the fans feel about the game on Wednesday? How do they feel about that now? After that performance, how do they feel? And I'm quite sure they're feeling not 100% because the man himself, Sir Alex, and I've said it many times, Dave, I, think I've said, I must have said it once, you know, when when we've been on the radio together since sorry, on the on this podcast together since you've come on regularly, is that um, Sir Alex believed in performances before big games, hundred percent before big games. You want something to take in that important game. Yes, it's only Copenhagen, but it's so important. Three points. United haven't taken that game on as the way it should be with confidence because the, you can't take anything from that game against Fulham. That was just about getting three points and looking where these teams are, who are playing better and everyone's raving about them, but seeing that Manchester United are only a few points behind. So the margin is small in points, but when you talk about performances, it's massive. The game on Tuesday is something that, really does need to be worked on because that kind of performance in Copenhagen 
I think there could be a, a different outcome, to be perfectly honest. You talk about performance, which um, which leads me on to our, to our next question. Um, we got, you know, absolutely tonked by Newcastle. Uh, we were bystanders in that game. Um, just before the, the, the Fulham uh, game, um, you may or may not have seen it. You, I'm sure you've seen it on social media. The away fans, you know, pulled out a banner play like you mean it. Um, that kind of geared me up a bit. I'm thinking, okay. Um, because a couple of the players had made reference to it uh, after the game that they had seen it. Um, to me, I thought I was going to get a reaction. Uh, you, you kind of deflated my question because you summed it all up there. We didn't get a reaction, Sorry. did we? We really didn't get a reaction. It was, it was, it was bizarre because if the players seen it, they certainly didn't didn't take any heed of it. And um, did you see the banner? What did you think of it? I mean, it, it, I mean that. Yeah. Can you imagine, you know, can you imagine walking yourself, walking back into a dressing room under Alex Ferguson? And, and I really don't always like going back to the, the Fergie days because it puts extra pressure on the manager. But can you imagine the reaction you would have got from the manager if a banner like that was unveiled before a game? Yeah. I mean, what did you think of the banner itself and, and, and what it meant? So, Well, I mean, I was in that, I was in the stand and... <clears throat> I was in there. I, I must have been in my seat, or I should say, in my in my seat, which I must have borrowed borrowed from Barbie and Ken. Um, and I saw it, and I actually took a picture of it because I could see it. But I took a picture and I brought the picture in. I brought the picture in and I retook the picture. And I actually sent it to Wayne for Wayne to see it as well because I've never ever seen anything like that. I think the last time. I ever saw anything like that? That would have been in the early parts of um, Sir Alex Ferguson when he when he with Manchester United. I think there was a few of them up like that then. Now this one looked up the the size of it. It looked like someone had nicked someone's sheet from their yeah. from the cot from the cot and put it on there because it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the biggest sheet. It was too small. It was definitely too big to be a tea towel. But I think myself on a bet that's got to be some some, some poor baby. Was, must have been cold overnight yeah. because those people those people have travelled down in the morning to get there. But you know, for what you're you're saying, Dave, if I'd have been warming up and seeing that, it would have made it would have put me on edge because there's somebody there's a few of them who didn't like what they were seeing, and that was you know <laughs> while you're warming up. So that that would have bothered me. That would have put me on edge to see something like that. It must have made. A lot, it must have. If it didn't, they're either stone cold or they don't care. But that would bother me. And with Sir Alex in the dressing room, he would have noted that. And that would have been in his talk before we're going out, before kickoff. And, and, but he would have taken that upon himself that that is a reference to him as well. It wasn't just about the players. I mean, he was, you're questioning the players, but he would have taken that personally himself. And that's hard, and that that has been the worst thing because all you've done then as well is you you poke the you would have poked the bear with a boss because you're not doing your job, and he's at, he's taking the brunt of it. You're taking the little bits off the side, but he's taking the brunt, and he's the one who would have been facing the consequences if everything everything fell apart after that. So it wasn't a good thing to see. Was it the kind of reaction that everyone would have expected to get? They expected the players to react to. Um, no, not at all. It didn't really get. It might have been glimpses. There wasn't any. I didn't see any 
any snarling, any anything of great note that made me think that they'd they'd seen that and it bothered them. But again, I say it, we're in a different time. You know, the team is not carrying as many Brits, English people in there as, as well it was as well it has done over previous seasons. So there's a different mentality in there, and some some players, I'm sure. You look at the amount of play on there. You're talking about squad. You know, I've done maths and everything. What players involved in the game now? On a match day, it's about what eight, seventeen, eighteen players um, involved. <laughs> did all did, did all did all of them take that on and on board? There've been a few of them who would just shrug their shoulders at it. Simple as that, and that's the way it works. It's not me picking, trying to think of individuals. It's the law of averages. But not all of them in that squad who are warming up on that pitch thought, wow, we're going to deal with that. We can't have that to people talking about us like that. Behind your back hurts. You know it's going on. In your face hurts you more. You can't deal with people say about criticism. Oh, it doesn't bother me. I deal with it. Of course it bothers you. Criticism always bothers people. The main thing about when you get when criticism is there is about how you deal with it. That is the thing. Because it bothers you. It's a load of rubbish that it doesn't bother you. Of course it does, especially when it's hitting a nail on the head. And it did hit a nail on the head. It's quite easy, quite simple. First of all, you go and nick, you go and nick a blanket from a baby. And then in big capital letters all over the place, you put a message on there. Big letters, at least a foot long for people to see. And they saw that. They absolutely saw that. It was, you know, I could see it sitting in the, the stand to the right of the away supporters. I could see it over that distance, that white, you know, that big white blanket. And, you know, but, and that's the way, it's, I think that's the way it's going to be. There's going to be someone else who has seen that. And then other people might go, you know, will go and do things until such time they see blood and guts. You and can accept it. I'm sorry, on, sorry Dave. That's yeah. the unfortunate part is that, um, and the most damning part of it is that we didn't get a reaction. Um, we didn't get a reaction at all. Um, uh, it, maybe it could have been argued that they didn't see it, but I do know after the game, one or two players made the comments that they did see it because one of the reporters asked them. Um, and that concerns me a lot, that we didn't get a reaction, that we didn't get them going into the dressing room and saying, Oh shit! Mm-hmm. You know, we when when I seen the banner, it, I thought I was gonna, I was thinking, okay, Fulham are not gonna be happy about that. You know, they're gonna see that that you know this is this is the moment where Manchester United come out growling. We didn't come out growling. Um, Patrick makes a comment. Morning, gents. What's the performance? Uh, symptomatic of a team low on confidence that have been battered by everyone and frankly struggling to cope with the pressure of performing. Uh, which is sad reality. Um, I, I kind of agree with that, but this has been going on all this has been going on all season, and we haven't had a reaction. Uh, that's the unfortunate part. Um, and and as Paul said, it, you know, it, it, in his time at Manchester United, Fergie would have made that part of of the the actual um, uh, team talk to go out there. Of look, you know, these fans they they're behind you one hundred percent, but you got to give a performance. Um, we didn't get that performance, but we did get the three points. Um, it does paper over a lot of cracks. Um, the winner coming from Bruno Fernandes. Um, the, I, I, I mean, I'm doing an injustice to every player if I say that they didn't put in 100% because for me, uh, police three coming on, um, it, it, it was down to his sheer hard work and, and just never giving up that created that goal for Bruno Fernandes. Uh, I personally feel he should be getting more, more time on the pitch. 
what was your thoughts on on his cameo appearance and and the Bruno Fernandez doll? Well, to be perfectly honest, I think anyone who who watched that ninety minutes then watched him come on a sub know that in that cameo he done more in that cameo than what Anthony done in his time. I know it's an easy thing to say. Some people might say it's a throwaway um, statement, but it's a fact. It's an absolute fact. What he gained offensively was was more, was a lot more than what Anthony done. Not, I'm saying he was wonderful, he was this, and I'm not saying that, but what he done, it was simple. It was very, very simple what he done. And that's what I said at the top of all of this. It's about going back to basics. And that doesn't matter what team you are, all the great sides of yesteryear, when they was going through a bad time, I'm I'm 100% sure those managers suddenly just talked about going back to basics. They said simplify things. Get the get that confidence back in just making simple passes. Don't try and win matches with one with one pass to get yourself you know straight away from from the low end to the high end just with one. Don't try that. Make it short and keep it simple, repetitive and build your way into it and that's a life. That's a life thing, isn't it? It's a it's a life skill which yep. everyone kind of relates to in any in any business in any industry. At the moment in time, we're we're really not doing that. People are are trying to do it on their own to get the plaudits on their own and doing their own little bit. And it doesn't need that. And the one thing, and I say it again, I don't see anybody asking a little bit more from another player. That those those that encouragement, the finger pointing without the face that's that's snarling, the finger pointing at somebody, letting them know that they're not doing that little bit, that little bit more, too many touches. Didn't have to try and beat that man. Could have played the simple pass, you know, and two three touches in your own half, two three touches in the middle of the park, one on one situation in the attacking third. Go and take the opportunity one on one. That's when you go and that's when you go and express yourself. It's not happening, to be perfectly honest. Too many ways, especially in the first half on my on my side as well with Anthony. Gave the ball away far too many times. Can't question his application after when he loses it because he doesn't stand there and put his hands up and ask questions. He runs back. That's why you know you, you don't go all on in on somebody because you know but. You know, he's trying back. But Anthony's, I think, is one of them players who's who's trying too hard, really, really trying too hard to do things. And he was up against um, Anthony Robinson. Not the, um, always, he's always going to make a mistake, the lad, but he's competitive and he enjoyed that battle. He made it, he made it his point to carry on the nightmare that this lad's having. He goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna make things even worse for him than what it's been already. And he done that to Anthony. Yeah. He'd done it to him. He ruined it for him. And that's why Anthony got taken off, taken off, but he got taken off too late. Yeah. You mentioned before, Dave, as well, just changing to the other side with Ganacho. I'm one of them like a bit like you. I think he does need games, without a doubt, to try and get into it to try and get, because I look at him and I can see why majority are saying he's better when he comes on a sub. And he's proven that. He's he's changed so many games. He did it. He did it at Fulham, didn't he? Yeah. Um, when he scored that goal. But in that last bit of the game, I think it may be just prior to it or just when Pellestri come on, he got better. He was getting into the box and he was pinning them down in yeah. the box. 
Now, is he another player that needs to help around his game? Look look who you're up against. Are you going to beat that man for pace? No. Am I going to beat him if, if I get nearer the goal, moving him one against one because we're getting near the box and he's got to be really clever with his challenges? Because Ganacho is never going to really outpace many fullbacks because he, he's, a, he's, a he's a good athlete, but he's not quick. His first three or four yards, well, he's not a Ryan Giggs, is he? When yeah. he's changed the pace that quick. So, he's, so his strength, as we've seen already, Dave, is that when he gets into that box, as we know, defenders don't want to go near to people who keep yeah. moving the ball. And that's where he got his joy in the end. He was able to get into the box. And that's where he got a little bit of joy. And it co- coincided with P- Palestri coming on as well. So all of a sudden, they looked, United looked better than that, than that, when that substitution was made. And I don't know what happened prior to that. I, I can't think of the substitution. I wish I had my book in front of me. What happened in between that? But it changed a little bit. And it put Fulham on their back foot. Where did that goal come from? The goal come from the kerfuffle that happened just in front of the United fans. I don't know what Fulham were doing, but maybe somebody threw that sheet over one of the Fulham players' heads. I really yeah. don't know. And he just lost where, you know, Paulini had lost where he was and he just gave the ball back to his compatriot and said, go on, go on, Bruno, have another go. But um, yeah. there was a there lot was of something. They did ping around a lot. You know, yeah, it did. did. It was all over. Yeah, it was. And when you're doing the radio or doing the TV, the last thing you want to say, it was like a ping ball machine because that's the one that normally you have to put a fiver in the pot because you don't want cliches like that used. <laughs> or a game, or you don't ever say the way that game was. It's a chess match. You just don't want to say those kind of things because it wasn't a chess match. No one was really no. thinking about it. But, um, and there was that moment, then there was that little bit where they pinned them in and it looked better. It looked a little bit like United chasing the game. Yeah. And there's nothing, there's still nothing better. Lucky, I get it because I was lucky enough to be involved in those games. You know, the 2-0 two, the two down against City, the um, the Hillsborough, I was Sheffield Wednesday, you know, when we come back there and that was, um, we got that, you know, back to, I think, I can't think what it was. Was that a 2-2 two, two or something after I being 2-0? 3-3, three, three, maybe? Yeah, I think it finished 3-3. Three, three. I think Chockey scored an incredible sloppy, ugly goal in that game as well. But I can remember that when you're, you're 1-0 down away from it and you used to come out and all of a sudden it's, it just felt like somebody was just beating a drum. I and mean, all of a sudden you just feel that drum was getting faster and faster. And that's how it used to be. And that's what it was like watching. Every time United went in at halftime, 1-0 down, 2-0 down, Tottenham away, if I remember rightly as well. You know, when they'd done it at White Hart Lane that time when Tottenham went 2-0 up. And you just, you're sitting there and you think to yourself, going to win this, going to get back in the game. But it's not the same anymore. West Ham, Wayne Rooney as well, yeah. Upton Park. Um, there's been so many games. People can name more. But I'm not getting that feeling anymore, Dave, that, that they can come back. And, and it's something. And it, and it can't be about so much about the personnel because the personnel, a lot of them have got good CVs. Yeah. Really good and what they, you know, they do. So it needs something to give it a click. And I wonder that, the, the main change, people keep talking about players coming back. <clears throat> players will come back. I'll be a difference when players coming back. There's only one player who will make a big, big difference when they come back. One player will just light, light that fuse and he will add that difference when he comes back because that one player is willing to let people know exactly what he feels about things. 
The problem is sometimes he wants to let the opponents know as well, which is a concern, but you got you don't want to take that away. And you know who I'm talking about, don't you? Martinez. Yes, he's the only one. Now, if you're going to give somebody, um, I think, a captaincy, I think you'd give it to him because yeah. I think it's not going to affect his game. It actually is a really good chance that would improve his game. Just in the other side of it, when he... For him to suddenly just look at it, because he's he's a massive focal point. You look at him and you look you look at what he does and you would just follow him, his example, his example, you go, I've got to follow him. He's doing that. I've got to go with him to back him up for what he's going to go and try and do. Now, Roy made a big statement about Fernandez, and I'm with Roy. And I've said it quite a few times. And I'm with I said I said it last when he took over. I said it. He's everything that a captain shouldn't be the way he conducts himself. He did it at the weekend and you think to yourself, in fact, I thought to myself, if, if that was my boy doing that on a pitch on a Sunday morning, I would walk up to the manager and say, can you do me a big favour? Can you take him off? Yeah. Take my son off. And I've done that a few times with my, with my boys. Walked up and said, would you mind just taking him off? Because he's been a bit petulant. Don't want it out there. Don't want to see that. And, that, and so, and the way he behaves... And when you're away from home, the last thing you need is to rile up the fans. You, everything's against you as a Manchester United player. People, are de- the fans are desperate. The players are desperate to beat you. Go there and just first first quieten the crowd. Don't go and do silly childish things. And, and that's what he done. But the, the one thing that made it difficult for Roy, because he there was no one there in his head, which is strange that Roy didn't have something to back up because Roy has got an incredible memory from back then and still now. He's incredible what he holds in his head to let it out. That's why he's so good. Because everything, he can back it up normally. But he never had anyone he could say, maybe because he he wasn't in his head, because of haven't seen him for a while. But he needed, I think, someone to say. And my I'm saying is, Martinez is your captain. Everything about him, the fans respect him, the players... I don't know it's like that, but they must respect him. Everything I say, you must respect him. I watched him play for Manchester United. I watched him play in in Qatar for his country when he come on, and I watched him when he come on a sub. I think it was against Australia at that game, and what a performance when he come on. He made this unbelievable challenge on the right hand side where he he saw the danger, he smelt the danger, sensed the danger from a left a left wing-back position, not wing-back, a left of a left of a three, and he went all the way across and made a challenge, eight yards on the angle with a six-yard box, bang, right foot, clean as you like, a proper 80s, 90s challenge. You could hear the ball, bang. The player wanted to scream. There's nothing wrong with the player, but he wanted to scream because he thought, must be a penalty, impact's too hard. Yeah. The, the, the biggest concern, though, was the football. That was the biggest concern, but it was an incredible, and the man's incredible the way he plays. I love the way he defends. Everything he does about him is a bit overzealous, but you, uh, as I said before, you don't take it away. For me, that's the one, because he's the one who would ask questions of his teammates. And I don't mean effing and jeffing at them. Well, you can do that, but it's still a constructive way of doing that, Dave, to be honest. And if you can't deal with that as a player, don't play the game. Well, your, captain just, has to, your captain has to lead by example. And if our captain, if his example is to consistently moan and complain and to 
and to bitch basically <clears throat> well that's the example you don't want because we do see it creeping into other players anthony's been accused of being a very similar player is constantly complaining um, and it's starting to creep into a few other players um i just want to get through a few of the comments here real quickly uh, ben yeah. allen says well dave glad you finally laid off that lad barton um <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately we we couldn't the tribunal voted against myself and paul and wayne will be back in the next week or two he's currently on vacation um, this is a very interesting one, though, because uh, it, it kind of plays into what you were saying earlier on about, about you know, when, when you're Manchester United, everyone wants to beat you. Um, uh, Jermaine Jen, Patrick says, interesting quote from Jermaine Jenis during TNT commentary. Everyone in this country is tuning in to watch Manchester United lose. Um, I mean, we've had that for decades, right? I mean, it, everyone wants to see Manchester United lose. I, I, I'm under the impression that uh, some supporter for weekend is better when United lose versus their team winning. Uh, because unfortunately, Paul, your team and your era and your manager ruined a lot of childhoods for a lot of these supporters now that are in their you know, 40s and 50s. And so this is kind of just payback. Um, it doesn't really bother me. It actually is, a, is a, a, it shows how much Manchester United are still the biggest show in town because what what Jermaine Jenner said was was true. People do tune in to watch Manchester United lose. I've got I've got many Liverpool uh, uh, diehard supporters that I've grown up with, um, and they're able to keep me more informed with Manchester United than than Manchester United social feed can. So we're still the biggest and the best around. Um, there was a few other here. Uh, Johnny says that he agrees that Martinez is captain. Watching Bruno and his petulant is embarrassing. Um, it wouldn't be a weekend, Paul without talking about VAR. Uh, Manchester United once again, along with a few other teams, and I'll get into that later. Uh, you were at the game, so you were probably a little bit baffled of, of you know, why it was called. But then if it's an offside, you're kind of thinking, well, it's offside, it's offside. They put this down to what they call subjective offside. And from my understanding, it's the first time a referee has given an offside and actually gone to the screen. Um, if if VAR is supposed to be there for a clear and obvious error, how can you rule an offside subjective then? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, you were at the game. I'm, I assumed it was like most games when you're at it, lawyer, there's confusion. Nobody really knows what's going on. Um, but I assume you've, you know, and, and you know, forgive me if you haven't, but I'm assuming you, you've seen it since then. Um, me, my opinion, absolutely ridiculous call. Uh, if, if, if it was the other way around and Fulham had scored and it wasn't given as an offside, I, I wouldn't have any, had any complaints. I really wouldn't. Uh, what do you think of this new uh, this new uh, uh, term, subjective offside? Um, and, and VAR in particular, we will talk a little bit later about that, but just I want to concentrate on this one now at the moment. Harry Kane, uh, Harry Kane, Harry McGuire deemed to have been in an offside position when the ball came across. Well, he was. Harry, Harry Maguire was in an offside position and why Why was he doing that? Go and stand in an offside position, but what you do is then you make yourself totally irrelevant when the ball comes in. I've seen teams do that. They do it for a reason to affect the goalkeeper and to affect any defenders. But he shouldn't have got... If he doesn't try and get it, then I think there wouldn't have been a problem. Now, we always, always knew, and it was said when VAR was being talked about whenever it started from, that... It's going to be a struggle to work with football because football is so subjective. It's easy with cricket, easy with rugby, all those kind of sports would stop and start. But with football, it's very, very difficult. 
So I, I'm, I'm of the thinking, I look at it, I watch a lot of these, and obviously the main one we'll mention later. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But I look at the players, the reaction of the players who have conceded. And the reaction of the Fulham players was, sod it. That was it. That was it. That was, that was the way their reaction, their hunched shoulders, looking around for someone to blame. All of a sudden, there's that gap. There's that little gap, and I can't, I can't make it, I can't say how big the gap is because I don't know how quick, you know, it's like that, that minute, that milli minute, whatever they call it, millionth of a second. All of a sudden, someone goes, as they do, Harry Maguire's, I've called Harry Maguire the new, the new Tony Adams of football. Anything that goes past him, his arm goes up. Um, but straight away, someone just goes, Put my arm up. Hopefully, someone's going to look at it and call. And yeah. that's what we're doing there. And that's what we're doing now. Everyone's doing it. The moment we can, anybody concedes, they're putting an arm up, hoping. And these people are falling into the trap. And <clears throat> and was it? It's a goal. There was there's defense. There was, everyone would have accepted it, Dave, because we're talking minimal margin. And those words which we heard the moment this whole process kicked off, clear and obvious, as you mentioned. That's gone out the window. Yeah. Someone's got to 100% say, but that has gone away now. We chose the wrong words. This is it. So there is, an, there is something about offside, isn't there? There's this new machine or something they've got now, which but we don't use it for some reason. Correct. It's it was used, used in the, in the World yeah. Cup and, and the yeah. FA refused to use it. Yeah. yeah, maybe because they refuse to use it because they've already – given these people a lot of money to do it. So they've got to go through the process of how long this contract is. You know, that's what it boils down to. It boils down to people earning money, not because they believe in this one that it's better. It's because it's about friends of friends, as we know how life works. Because if they really wanted to improve the game and stop all this going on, they would do it tomorrow. Yeah. It'd be done tomorrow. We've got to bring that in. It's getting we're getting too many things going on now. We need that now where there's no argument where everyone will go, this is the rule. We see um we saw it in the World Cup. That's the rule. That shows that bang, go to bed. Yeah. We're not gonna t- it can't be talked about anymore. But this one is causing problems, but friends are friends and friends are gonna go and do favours for friends. That's why that's the reason why we are where we are with this one. So it's it's, it's just a, a whole thing. Is something we're going to be talking about for a long, long time. 
Uh, Johnny, um, I mean, this is this this has been a comet that that flies around. I think every supporter feels the same way that this little goal is an absolute uh, shame. I'll say, it's like they're finding any reason to punish United. Definitely an agenda, even corruption. Far was meant to approve and and bring clarity. It's done the opposite. Um, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a believer that it's it, it, you know there's any type of corruption here or there's 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 um there's anything untoward against Manchester United um and and, and you know Wayne hate, hates me saying that uh, hates hate me saying this and I I think these things are you know swings and roundabouts you, you you get what you deserve and and over the over the cold season it evens itself out I'm starting to kind of disbelieve my own opinion on that because since the Wolves game. It looks like every decision uh, is going against Manchester United. Now it's easy to get stuck in that rut and think that way. Um, I mean, Liverpool fans, you know, they could think the same with with the game against Spurs, and all of a sudden now it's flipped, and every decision they seem to get. Jurgen Klopp is consistently complaining on television. Uh, the question I have is number one: Do you think this is just just mistakes, human errors? Um, and secondly, um, uh, which is the question I wanted to really ask before Johnny, you know, um, brought this up, which is a, which is a very good question he's asking um, about corruption and and bias maybe towards it, one club or another. But do you think Eric uh, Eric Ten Hag should be more vocal in the media about the, the, the way Klopp and Pep is, or do you think it's like what's the point? I'm going to go with the latter. To be perfectly honest. Given how everything is with you um with United at the moment, he go it's just like virtually you go and get involved in that and people are just looking then to throw to throw more at you, um, to throw to throw more things at you. I personally wouldn't bother. I look at it now and I think about how how can you give it a better chance to improve? <laughs> I would say the people who are doing VAR do not referee games or assisting games. In the Premier League, that's that's my way because this swapping, you know, from pitch to from pitch to to boot um to broom cupboard at Heathrow and then flying to Saudi on a Thursday, to, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. No, I would just wouldn't. But I'll get special people do it every single do it every single week. We look at it. We have there's a in most industries and business you have specialists. Those specialists work on things which are really important and the margins of making mistakes are minimal, minimal. But they could because they're human, something's going to happen, but they know how to sort it when things ain't going there. Other people step in and they work it. Just get people who do that, who know how to do it and actually can work it quicker. It took, what, two and a half, took two and a half minutes on Saturday. Must have been about yeah. two and a half minutes that. After all that they've done, then they get then they go and do get the referee to go and have a look after all that. You're asking them, you're taking the decision away from the referee, but then because you can't, as this is what my interpretation, I could be wrong, but then you're asking him to go across, and then virtually he's heard you in his ear. So at the end of it, he wants it over and done with. But what you're saying in his ear, you could have swayed him over that time because you're throwing so many things in his head. It's too yeah. much, and you know yeah. what happens when you hear when you hear too much, too much. Turn left, turn left, turn left, turn left, turn left, turn left, and all of a sudden, oh no, 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 no. And you you need something concrete. You need a positive mindset of where you're going, and then you might call him over, and then you're only telling him we believe that. But you know, you hear. You know, I just I think the whole thing is wrong. Get specialist people, people who do not ref stand in the middle, 
of games. They don't, they're not the number one referee. If there'd be people, you'd sit there and go, how many games? There's, say, five on Saturday, five on Sunday, or four on Sunday and one on Monday. And you turn around and say, you, you can spread that out over six people. Six, and that's all, and that's their job to stay there. That's their job. And if they want anything, they want they can go out and they can be assistant referees, but keep them away from the middle of the park. So they don't get involved with players personally. They don't have to go off and they don't have to send managers off. Let the fourth official do all that. You don't get these people who stand a chance of taking things personally because we do know, by the way, Dave, that it's you. Being human doesn't matter. If that person has done something and all of a sudden something comes along and you might just say to yourself, I remember you from last week. Yeah, yeah. And, it plays a part. And I'm saying, it's not having a go at the referees. I'm saying which we, in everyday life, that's what we do. And it, yeah. and it, must have, it must have happened to a referee. It definitely happens with players when someone does something in one game and the next game comes around. You remember that? Paul yeah, Scholes is no, always good at things like that. 100%. So um, that's my yeah. way. That's my bit. Anyway, you get on and you read the next bit. Okay. Unfortunately, I thought we were going to escape um, a, a long question from uh, uh, Mr. Barton, considering he's on the other side of the Atlantic, but we haven't. This is part one of seven. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He said, morning, friends, from a jet lag way, and perhaps the petulance in certain people, Arteta included, comes in wanting to manipulate future decisions. The tide is too strong against United historically, which you just mentioned, Paul, for our players to win those battles. So they should just get on with it. Arteta upset because his team will be nowhere near City. And rather than look at the league and the 115 charges, he blames the ref. We're upset because we're getting a bad rub from the refs and we'll likely miss out on Champions League by a small margin. But we have to get on with it. So I think I think Wayne's, you know, uh, in a in a roundabout uh, long way that Wayne does, he's agreeing with you, and that as you said, you just you just get on with it. I mean, if if you if if we don't have the ability to change it, um, we just have to get on with it. So um, that moves me nicely along to you know uh, our Champions League. Uh, we got a big one this week against Copenhagen. Uh, Galatasaray are away to Bayern Munich. Uh, a win in Copenhagen. Uh, I can't see Galatasaray getting anything out of out of Bayern. Um, puts us, you know, firmly into second place. Um, I was coming into this all confident, and then you came along and brought me back down to earth and said, "You need a big performance before a big game," and we didn't get that. Now I'm deeply concerned that we're not going to get anything in Copenhagen. I was hoping that, you know what, maybe we're starting to turn the tide. That, that old cliche, and you don't like yours of it, you play bad, but you win, can kickstart your season. I thought the kickstart was going to be against um, uh, Brentford a few weeks ago. Then we got absolutely walloped by City and, and Newcastle. You know, we, we won a game which we shouldn't have won at the weekend. Um, and then, like I said, you just reminded me that, you know, Fergie always came in with the attitude, we need a big performance before that big game. We didn't get that. Uh, Champions League this week, what's your thoughts? Uh, should we be concerned? We, you know, Copenhagen will be well up for it. Uh, they were unlucky to get beaten by us uh, in the in the home leg at Old Trafford. Um, seemed to be a fairly decent side. Uh, the home crowd will be up for it. Um, so what's your thoughts on Copenhagen? Well, first of all, just my little bit about about Sir Alex is that that was his way of managing 
And it and that's the way that we were kind of brought, you know, with my time there. That's the way, that's how he was. He, that's how he focused it. Especially game on a Saturday leading up to a Champions League game, walk around on a Monday with a notepad, with his, you know, file there and he's just walking around and all of us are scared to speak, scared to move and, you know, walking on eggshells. And that's the way it was. Now, Ten Hag might be completely different. It might not be his way. He might not be trying to install that into the players, but we knew it. We knew that that game before a Champions League game or a game against Leeds, Liverpool, we had to, you know, that, that game on the weekend was important. And then the Monday morning before playing, say, a Leeds or Liverpool, in midweek, of, you know, if he was, that you know, straight away, We've done great and getting a good performance at the weekend, but now he's preparing himself for that and he'll be moody. I don't know if Ten Hag's the same, but Copenhagen will be hard away, even harder because the team's not playing well, um, but even harder because of can't pick out an individual who's going to maybe go and do something for you to go and win your game, get you over the line. So again, the one individual you can rely on maybe to make something happen or score a goal has to be Fernandez. Yeah. He's when you look at it and being perfectly honest and I'm not his greatest fan as a person. I can you can see the quality he's got, but I can then, as I've said many times with Wayne, I can see the reasons why he hasn't been to a top club before. Because there was things that people didn't like. And um you know, we're seeing that, but you can see he's got quality. He's wasted quality. His talent's been wasted over a number of seasons because he should have been playing for a top club many years ago with that ability. But um, he's the one player you believe who might make something happen, or he'll go and score some, go and go and score a wonder goal or something like we're talking Burnley away, something out of nothing at the weekend. Um, but there's no one else really. There's no one else. I look at, and I'm. And I'm beginning to feel sorry for for Hoyland. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't really. I don't want to feel. Shouldn't feel sorry for him. He's he's he's, he's playing for the biggest club in the world. He's got, as far as he's concerned, he's doing the greatest job in the world. Centre forward for Manchester United. Everyone's loving him back home in Denmark. But I feel sorry for him because he's not being utilised in the right way. Yeah. He's playing yeah. with too many selfish people. They're not yeah. rolling the ball into him. I was watching him and he was, he was, ah, oh, he was, he was having to slog. He was, there's, a bit he was of, like, there's a bit of sparky about him, isn't there? Oh, oh there is without a shadow. I think I said that at the weekend, Dave. But he was like a shy horse pulling a cart full of, cart, cart full of barrow, barrows of apples, the way he was going. He was there, he was everywhere. You could just see him. He was just going. Now, I want him to turn angry because if he turns angry and he flexes, he could be seriously someone to contend with. But start demanding more from his players. Exactly. And and that's what he needs to do. And there's nothing wrong in him doing that. If a player gets upset, as I say again, you don't want that player in the team. Soft. Start virtually saying, give me the ball how you would like to get, how you would like to accept the ball. Give it to me with the opportunity to be able to make my next pass. Think my next pass. And then if I don't deliver that, then you can talk to me. But there's two. There's two. One, because he's got that ability to make something out, happen out of nothing. And the other one, because you know you're going to get 100%. Now, when we're looking everywhere else, 
We've got Scott McTominay will run up and down and, you know, virtually make a trench through the middle of the pitch. You know yep. that. But that's not the quality you're looking that's going to win no. you a Champions League, put you in contention to win a Premier League. And then you look, you're, looking, you're looking at Wan-Bissaka. I think Wan-Bissaka has improved immensely, come back from quite a long injury, come back in and I think he's been fantastic. His energy levels, yeah. he's still trying to find his feet. He's the better right back at Manchester United now. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. When you talk about that little bit of quality in the final third, Dallow's got that bit. When the goal we scored against, um, the goal we just scored recently, which got United out of jail. But Dallow is prone to mistakes, doing the silly things, and you've got to go with yeah. someone who's more consistent. And that's Juan Basaka and his defending. Doesn't get beaten. Improving going forward. I think it's. Um, I think when you look at it, there's three players I name there that you can re- you can rely on 100. percent I'll go with Johnny Evans when he's playing all day long. Johnny Evans, 100 percent all day long. One of those players you know you can turn to and he'll give you everything. And all your hope is that the rest of them will join we'll in. Yeah. Will 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 help out. And, and and that's my and that's my opinion about the game in Copenhagen because it's going to be fiery. That they'll try and make it their best. Very, very toxic there to give trying to help their team get to the next stage of the Champions League, which would be a massive achievement for the club and obviously for the manager. But it's going to be the players being in a better frame of mind than what they were at the weekend. And let's hope the man with the man with the um the baby blanket travels abroad but brings a few mates who have got baby blankets as well. You can make a larger one. You you made a great point there. Um about Hoyland and maybe it's just because he's he's young and he's just come into the team and he's trying to show respect. But uh, I never really thought of it till you said it is that he he needs to be demanding. He needs to be demanding more. He does so much running, but yet we have you know we got Marcus Rashford on the left, we got Anthony on the right, and they spend so much time trying to beat players. David Beckham rarely beat a player. Rarely beat a player. His job was to get the ball and get it in the box. That's why you were so successful with Beckham. And with the strikers that we bought, we brought in a we brought in a striker. In my opinion, that is a cross between Sparky and Ruud van Nistelrooy. But yet here we are. He makes the runs, and nine times out of ten, he just slows down his run, turns around, and walks back because the ball was never delivered. That's why I feel that when he gets the ball, he's reluctant to give it up because he's thinking, "I need minutes on the pitch. I need the ball," um, and he's trying to be a battering ram. Um, Patrick said for Copenhagen. Is it best to get Bruno closer up the pitch to Hoyland? I feel when he plays deep in midfield, it becomes a hindrance and a nuisance tactically. I've been under that belief as well that when 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 Bruno sits back more, it 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 it, it kind of has the opposite effect to us. Um, do you think you know because Bruno he, he can pick a pass? I know he tries two hundred of them and maybe only half of them come off, but at least he's trying. <laughs> Um, you think you know Bruno closer or higher up the pitch is 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 a is a better option for us? Yeah, Patrick is a hundred percent right. I said it the moment Hoyland was getting mentioned, and I saw him play. I saw a few montages of him playing for um Atlanta, Atalanta. Sorry, not Atlanta. Um, <laughs> playing for Atalanta, and he did, and he just makes those runs. Those runs. Yeah. Like Sparky used to make. Sparky weren't the quickest, but Sparky would virtually have someone close and he'd virtually pin them 
and they, they couldn't get past him when he's running for the ball because he would be holding them. And he makes those kind of runs. Sparky made those runs early. And they're unselfish runs. So what he's doing is making that run. Uh, uh, he's coming towards the ball, but he's bending to get the ball in between the fullback and, and say, I'm going to say the left side centre half. That's where he yep. makes a lot of his runs, going down that side. Even though his left, left, his left side is stronger, he makes that run into that channel. And what he's virtually saying, just put it, this, just put it to my right-hand side and I will get onto it. And then I will then, if I can't get goal side and maybe go and score a goal or make a goal, I will come out and then someone's going to be coming to join in and then we're yep. further up the park to play. But the problem is every now and again, you've got to kind of give them a little bit of the cake and say, go on, make something good. That's what Sparky done. Try and make something good out of bad. They don't give him those opportunities because they won't yeah. play the pass. I've stayed away from it. And it's the, only way I, the only way I can actually put this right is by saying where the problem lies. The problem lies with Harry Maguire. Six, I was counting him every time the ball was given to him. He averaged, every time the ball's rolled back to him, his space around him, he averaged four touches on the ball. Four touches when the ball's given back to him, his space around. So he has those four touches. Always the outside that does that. Keep doing that. Just little touches in front of him. Now, if he got the ball and he run out with a little bit of pace, five, five to ten yards, a little bit of a burst, people go, hold on, they move. There's your pass. Yeah. He touches and touches. People stand still, and he ends up trying to spoon, spoon one out to the left-hand side. Now, if he was to get the ball, first of all, look up and just go, see where Hoyland, see, he would see Hoyland making that run, put it into an area where he's going to finish his run. Yeah. And what happens then is, if that doesn't work, the next time he gets the ball, all of a sudden you'll see... After you'll see the centre half and the fullback, you'll see the fullback tuck in, you'll see the centre half drop off, and then he could maybe then play one through to Hoyland to his feet. He might be out of turn, but he's not doing anything to create space. It's it's touch, touch, touch. And then when he makes the pass, honestly, he's creating yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's gone. He's so much congestion around and he, he does he just he does it, and, and people are saying to me, and I'm going, no, you're not getting it. You're, they keep saying to me, oh, he's doing this now, he's doing that. He's heading balls. He's heading balls. Everyone's going, and that's what they're talking about. When you look at what you want him to do, when Martinez is fit, control, bang, pass. Then he gets it back, because then when he gets it back, he's created space because he's passed it early. Instead of, if there's, tw- if there's 30, 40 yards in front of Harry Maguire, he will start running into that into that space with no no great purpose, and then he'll get there, and then he'll stop, and then he'll pass, and he hasn't achieved anything because he's ponderous. He can't pass while he's he can't pass while he's moving. Martinez Martinez does that. He does it on the move. Him and Varane do that on the move. That's why United were very very successful in that yeah. period when those when those two were together. Casemiro was there, Ericsson was there because they created space to pass. Johnny Evans does it, to be fair to him, off his weaker side. Johnny Evans is doing it off his left side. Johnny Evans' left side is 100% better than Harry Maguire's and he does it, bang, everything's quick. And I watched Johnny a few times and Johnny was reluctant to give him the ball. He wanted to do something and he's reluctant. 
So the whole thing, the process at the back affects the front because Hoyland Ben is coming closer. And what you end yep. up with is a midfield and you end up with the with the front player, Hoyland, there. Yep. Nowhere to go. The wide yep. players end up shallow because the team is squeezed up. So you've got, you've got nowhere to pass and it ends up saying hopeful. So it's a, it's a problem because there's no urgency from the back. So it goes back to it goes back to your original point right at the very beginning of the show where you said that teams don't like to play against teams that move the ball, you know, fast. You you hit the nail on the head. Harry Maguire always receives the ball from the left or the right and takes two or three touches. And by that time, the the defense or the midfield is now closed in. The chance is gone. And um, it brings us on to Paul saying the final point. What are your thoughts on Eric? Uh, Ten Hag alluding that Maguire and Barane can no longer play as a pairing because of the passing angles. I think he sees both as right side. I think Paul summed that up perfectly as well earlier on by mm-hmm. saying that, you know, we, we were most successful when we had Barane and Martinez together. Uh, for me, you know, God love Harry Maguire. Uh, he's a trier, um, but it's just, and, and I do this thing with my, I do this thing with my son when we're watching the game. Every time we get the ball. I say, you know, I say at the television, at the game, I'm like, come on, give it to Maguire. You know you want it. You know you want it. You know you want it. And then a the ball goes to Maguire, and then he tips around for three or four touches and then plays it on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to – I want to I want to get into the final question. Um, and before I do, I'm going to do a bit of a wane. It's going to be a long one. Um, well, longer than I would normally uh, talk. Um, Marcus Rashford uh, was um, injured – the weekend, uh, so we're told, um, it's come out in the, in the media that he uh, he uh, went out on on the let's 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 be honest, he went out on the rip after the derby game, the, the derby humiliation, and listen, I'm one of these people that are like, you know what? Just because footballers are paid X amount of money doesn't mean that they can't be human. Doesn't mean that they can't do all the things that we're you know we're allowed to do. Yes, it is slightly and it's slightly bit different uh, in some sense. But I'm a firm believer in players should be allowed to enjoy their life. I really am. I think that's. I think it's ridiculous the way some some of the media and people react to when a footballer does X, Y, and Z. It's like, <coughs> what's that difference than the guy that's you know working in a in a store in a warehouse or whatever? But I do believe that his timing was wrong in the current climate to do what he did, considering. The pressure that the, not only the club but his manager is under, um, and the scrutiny it was going to bring. I think he had a brain fart. No one's saying he can't enjoy his life, but there's there's, there's a time and a place to be doing that. And if you win three 0 against Man City, no one's going to say anything. And I assume that he's going to think that it's okay. If you just got walloped in Man City, your manager's under a lot of pressure. Opposition fans are singing you're getting sacked in the morning. It, it was it was an ill-timed uh, uh, decision by Marcus Rashford, in my opinion. Paul, as an ex-pro, uh, what are your thoughts on 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 Marcus Rashford and, and the timing of him going on parking right after getting walloped? You know, personally, I have to be careful in, in case I make myself into a hypocrite. To be perfectly honest, on that side of it, because I can't say I didn't go out after getting beaten. Um, I suddenly started to realise the magnitude of football matches from when I went to Manchester United, to be perfectly honest. Because I always tell people that <clears throat> there's a big difference in playing in a London derby compared to playing in anything outside of London because there's more. it's more than just a game. Yeah. You know, there's, there's history behind a lot, a lot of these derbies, as I found out. 
with um, with the big games, I should say, not so much the derby, but the Liverpool game, the Leeds game. What, what you know, what things with that? The Manchester derby. I suddenly learned a, a new a new part about about life and football. So what he done? I mean, you found out that this was pre-planned. He'd already booked it all out, all done already. But given that performance, given his performance, given how people were feeling prior to the game, given how people were feeling after the game, maybe he could have downsized what he wanted to do in in the fact of where he was going and the number of people and just gone somewhere with close friends and family to maybe a different kind of restaurant. So there's nothing wrong going out for a meal and yeah, going yeah. after a game. Going, But I think the actual the venue virtually was something that maybe got people upset. And, like you, and you're right in what you're saying. should never not be able to go out after losing a game of football, but it's the manner in which you go and do it because you have to remember those people around and what it means to them. What they have yeah. to go, you know what, and and it makes it even, you know, it makes it even harder for me to say that when there's no great explanation, no way out because he's from Manchester, so yeah. he should definitely feel that a lot more than what I do in that sense. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there backing him and saying yes, they're 100 percent right. Yeah, he should, but it's about it's just about where he went and everything that, and what's been going on prior to that. Yeah, you know things might have been different um, this time last season if he'd have gone and done it and they'd got beaten. They got beat by Man City. He wouldn't even been given a mention. But it's yeah. about what's not been given by the team and him prior to the game, and what was given exactly. during the during the game. And that's the bit that has offended a lot of people on that side of it. And again, I say it more so because he's a local boy. Yeah. I just think that I think the timing was was bad. It was, um, you know, us uh, us supporters. We you know we take everything emotionally from games. Um, you you had said earlier on, and, and there's there's a lot of truth in this that, you know, um, uh, and and a lot of a lot of you know Scottish players like that. Um, they will um, they just seem to feel it more. You know, in, in derby games and stuff like that, and we've lost a lot of that um, over the past 10, 15 years. As as more and more, uh, you know, players from from overseas come to England, and I don't, I really don't think they get a derby game. I really don't think they get what the FA Cup is all about. Some of them may, most of them don't. Uh, Marcus Rashford, born and bred in Manchester. My honest opinion is he should have known better. He really should have known better. Um, Eric Ten Hag. Let's be honest. Dropped them. The injury thing was just—it was just a smoke screen. Um, it was the right decision. I'm not sure how Marcus Rashford reacts to this now uh, because he hasn't reacted to much in the past uh, since the season started. Uh, but I am hoping that we do see a reaction from from Marcus Rashford. And um, with that, um, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I want to thank everyone for joining us. We got a lot of great questions. Uh, Wayne even piped in from Florida before he goes to see Mickey Mouse. Um, so thanks for that, Wayne. Uh, Paul, as always, thank you for coming on. Uh, for everyone Cheers, that, was, that was listening in, uh, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Yeah, give us some comments on any of the digital platforms we're on. Um, and yeah, we uh, I won't be here next week. I am actually in sunny California uh, for work, so I'm happy about that. 
I'm not sure we're going to have the show next week because Wayne is also going to be in, in, he's on the other side of the US and Florida. Uh, so we'll be back the week after that. Um, if that's not the international break, but I'll have to look at my calendar. But Paul, as always, thanks for your time. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.